So I'm here with uh, Joe Sakura, and you've come out with a book, Defying Gravity, How Choosing Joy Lifted My Family from Death to Life, published by Ignatius Press. And, uh, you know, it got my attention just talking to you in the parking lot here was uh, just the idea of choosing joy. And, um, and you had great trials with two sick children. Yeah. Um, Maybe give us that background first about your kids. Sure. Well, I, uh, not to make a too long a story, even longer, but I, I married my high school sweetheart. Mm -hmm. And uh, interestingly enough, when we were still dating and we grew up in Florida and we went down to our favorite place, this fishing pier on the bay in Clearwater, and we were talking about having children. I mean, we were 20 years old and, and uh, one day, you know, we weren't even married yet. And, and uh, which is not that unusual for young people to talk about having kids. And then my wife actually asked, she said, well, what if we had disabled kids? And it was such a weird question for it to come up. And yet we just came to the conclusion we'd be okay. And we never thought about that again until after our kids were diagnosed with this rare neurological degenerative disease called juvenile batten disease. Um, but we got married, we were 23 years old, moved to California, we're kind of living the dream, you know, young lovers and mm -hmm. just having, you know, had kids, you know, late yeah. 20s, very healthy, beautiful children, and uh, just felt completely blessed again. And I, I, I was living out my dream. I thought, <laughs> this is what's so funny, we talk about hearing God. I was wrong, <laughs> but I, I thought that I was called to be an actor, and mm -hmm. so I was pursuing that. And uh, anyway, we were kind of moving along with life and joined it, had great friends, really felt supported in a great Catholic community. Thank God we had that, that kind of faith to support us. And uh, one day, shortly after we had bought our first house, which living in California is a miracle if you can afford a house, <laughs> just in itself. Mm -hmm. And I was playing uh, baseball, I was just playing catch with uh, John, who was seven years old at the time, in the front yard. And the ball kind of sailed past him. I thought, wow, he's like a really bad baseball player. Mm. <laughs> of course, I didn't say that to him. I said, John, get the ball. <laughs> and he turned around, where is it, Dad? I said, it's right over there. And he kind of hunts around for it. And I thought, wow, he's having a hard time seeing. Yeah. And uh, so I went in, talked to my wife. She goes, well, let's get his eyes checked. We brought him to an optometrist who said, something's wrong with his eyes. Go see an op ophthalmologist. I don't like what I'm seeing, sent us to a geneticist. Anyway, after about six months, uh, we were given this uh, diagnosis of ju juvenile batten disease. <clears throat> and I'll never forget it. It was, it was actually Ash Wednesday mm -hmm. uh, when we were given the diagnosis at the Jewel Stein Eye Clinic. And uh, we, we just, you know, they said, hey, your son has this disease and this is what it looks like. And all of our dreams, everything that you think and hope for as a parent, gone, just mm -hmm. gone. Mm -hmm. And we went over to uh, our, our church, our old local community, St. Monica's, and uh, we just fell into the back pew, just mm -hmm. crying. It's like, how could this happen? Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, we kind of... <clears throat> Sorry, I have dust in my throat. We got, Welcome I know this to is the an cell. emotional story, but this really is dust. <laughs> Welcome to the cell. <laughs> but, um, so anyway, the doctors said, hey, you know, this is genetic and one in four chance your other son has this disease. And he said, oh, he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. We are in denial, of course. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, but we said, okay, we'll get them tested. Anyway, long story short, about six months later, we got the diagnosis that he too had the same disease. And was there a life expectancy given? Yeah, when they, they said this was the disease, they gave the progression, you know, seven kids, typically that's when they're first diagnosed because they start losing their sight. And then they develop um, seizures, usually, you know, 13 mm -hmm. or so. And then cognitive and motor function delays wow. that progress. And usually t kids die late teens to early 20s. Wow. Mm -hmm. And John died at 24, about mm -hmm. three and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and Ben just turned 25. So he's, you know, doing Has there pretty been well. any help medically or just... It's it's really it's it's what call it's what's called an orphan disease. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's just really rare, mm -hmm. uh, and they're making progress. There is no cure. Yeah. Um, there there probably will be someday, yeah. just like with yeah. cancer and everything else. There yeah. are no treatments. They can control seizures, and that's it. Mm -hmm. um, and that that's helped to uh, keep kids alive longer. Yeah. Yeah. So, but we. That was really, I had to let go. We collectively as a family, my wife and I in particular, had to let go of the dreams that we had for ourselves. And really, we were really challenged to look at our faith. It's like, oh, life isn't about just getting what you want. You know, mm -hmm. God's not Santa Claus where, what do you want? And I'll give you this. Yeah. And it was really the whole idea of picking up your cross and, and following. Right. And right. so we, we just had to... <laughs> we had to say, okay, what, how do we do this? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's hard raising kids, period. You know, right, there's not like right. an instruction manual, but how do you raise kids that are going to go blind, that are gonna have seizures, that are gonna need feeding tubes, that, you know, where is the community of support? It doesn't exist because it's so rare. And so and we were... What was your faith going into it? Were you Sunday Catholics or were you... Yeah, we, yeah. you know, it's... I've always been, I was cradle Catholic, you know, a big Catholic family, eight kids. And I, I was in Minnesota. You said, well, I was right? born in Minnesota oh, and I have seven older brothers and sisters. And then okay. when I was seven years old, we moved to Florida. My dad was an engineer okay. and we just, it, it's, it's funny all, you know, you hear about so many families and kids walking mm -hmm. away from the faith. Ours never did. Yeah. I have one sister who's no longer Catholic, but she's a very devout Christian. She's profoundly holy, right, wonderful, beautiful right. person. I suspect someday she's gonna come back. Yeah. But um, I never really deviated that far. Uh -huh. My faith was important and I always had a real fire to, to learn, especially about scripture. I have a real passion for scripture. And um, so, yeah, it was, I mean, of course it was mass every Sunday and uh -huh. baptism with the kids, yeah. but our faith was challenged to really say, okay, it's one thing to say, yes, I'm Catholic, yes, I believe, but when life yeah. really falls apart, when you're really challenged, yeah. now what do you believe? Yeah, yeah. So, so what, what helped you spiritually in those early years of the diagnosis? You know, we were, um, we were very fortunate to have a, a, a really loving community. I mean, before our kids were diagnosed, my wife and I were going through a tough time in our marriage. And, and, I, and I think a lot of people do. As a marriage and family therapist, most mm -hmm. marriages go through some crisis point. You know, everybody goes through some crisis point. Like in their the life. three, four year? Well, well like seven to 10, seven. I'd oh, say okay. most of them, mostly. Uh, th that's the first time. <laughs> uh, but, um, and for whatever reason, you know, I, I just got some advice from a friend who said, hey, 
you don't want to go down that route. Just yeah. figure it out. And I made a decision. I literally, I'll never forget having a conversation with my friend who was very secular. He was not like a priest or anything like that. <laughs> I won't go into all of his advice. <laughs> Some of it's necessary. But I just made a decision and I said, you know what? I, I don't know how to do this marriage thing for sure. This uh -huh. was before I was a marriage therapist too. I said, but maybe we can just be good friends and I can go back to that friendship with my wife. And, and we made that decision. And from that place of choosing to love, not feeling love, but choosing uh -huh. to love, our relationship became closer again over a period of time, even years, mm -hmm. I'd say. But I've been married 30 plus years now, and I, I think I have a better marriage than I ever did. Right. Um, right. But that was kind of the beginning is, is that idea of choosing to love. And when our kids were diagnosed, it kind of, I, I don't know that I could ar have articulated it then, but I found that we were just choosing to find joy, uh -huh. to celebrate the little moments, celebrate everything. And right. so we'd have wild, raucous uh, parties every Friday night, with just me yeah. and my family, my yeah. boys and my wife, and we'd right. barbecue every right. night, and we'd wrestle and mm. listen to music. And yeah. and uh, so with all of the hardship and the difficulties, I said, you know, we've just got to choose to love. We've got to choose gratitude. We've got to choose joy. Mm. And was there particular aspects of our faith or maybe the rosary or confession or spiritual reading that kind of helped you to grow in the faith to support you or i think it was um to be honest no i, I don't know that i could point to what it <laughs> yeah, was exactly yeah. it was the real love and community of love that i felt at the parish yes yeah, yeah. just our catholic it, the yeah. broader catholic community and particularly those in my our parish community right. it was it wasn't that we you know all of a sudden developed a devotion to the rosary or a particular particular prayer life it was really just to celebrate the love of god the joy that god offers yeah yeah and we we did experience as as, as mentioned mm -hmm. a few things before we experienced a lot of miracles Mm -hmm. I mean, I really do. And I, I mm -hmm. sometimes hesitate, like I said, to, to speak about them. Mm -hmm. I, I believe God works in miraculous ways in our right. lives all the time. I, I think most right. of the time we don't see it, right. but I really believe that he does. Um, but I didn't, it wasn't so much a focus for me on the real miracle, I would say, is this, is that I have experienced joy despite this terrible hardship, despite this real difficulty. Yeah. That's a miracle. Mm -hmm. Viktor Frankl, I was th thinking about this, you know, in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, right? Viktor Frankl, as you, I'm sure are aware, his parents, he was Jewish, they were all taken to a concentration camp, his parents were murdered, his mm -hmm. wife was murdered, his family was murdered, his friends were murdered, mm -hmm. and yet he found meaning. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I thought about Viktor Frankl or looked at my yeah. faith, but I thought there's got to be meaning in all of this. Yeah. If we have all been created for a purpose, and I believe that we have, right. if we are God's greatest creation, I think, you know, yeah. humans made yeah. in his image, then we might not understand that meaning, but we can experience parts of it. Yeah. And 
And, and that's what I'd say sustained us was just this love of being real and being loved and loving others and, uh-huh. and choosing joy. Yeah. And was it also kind of a decision, a choice to maybe to focus on the positive? You mentioned gratitude before. And yeah. Uh, like, like celebrate little victories or whatever. God's showing up every day in some way. Or, yeah, yeah, we did. We, I'll never forget because before I wrote the book, I would, I always write Christmas cards and our friends, I always loved our cards because they were funny and they were mm-hmm. kind of, and then, uh, boy, at, at some point after a couple of years, you know, it seemed like I was just writing, oh, this is what's happening with the boys, they're losing their sight and this. And I came to a decision, I said, you know, this isn't all of my life. Yes, we're experiencing these hardships, mm-hmm. but we're also experiencing these huge blessings and they mm. were, you know, I mean, blessings are all around us. We can choose to see them or not, right? Like how God provides or something. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And um, so I, the cards took a turn and I said, okay, wait a second. You know, yes, here's the sorrow, here's the struggle, but here's the joy. Yeah. And so it wasn't like a just being grateful like Pollyanna, like everything's good. It's like, right. no, life is tough. Yeah. And also, there are these things to be very grateful for. Yeah, yeah. And I just allowed that to sort of be our story. It's like, let's look at this authentically. I'm not going to mm. sugarcoat this. I'm not going to pretend that it's easier than it is. But let's see it in its totality. Yeah. And, uh, and the cards took on a new meaning. And then people would say to me, it's like, gosh, Joe, we, we get your cards and we laugh and we cry and we laugh and we yeah, cry. Yeah. And, and then somebody was silly enough to say, you should write a book. <laughs> <laughs> right. So years and years later, here, here we go, defying gravity. Well, let me ask you this, that uh, I know your, your story moved from Florida to Hollywood. You wanted to be an actor. You worked as a stuntman, did some acting work. Uh, your wife's a successful nurse practitioner. You guys, to me, sound like go-getters and kind of type A people that would overcome obstacles and everything. You know, but yeah. this knocked you flat on your back or it did. It, it there there can be no, nothing more devastating than a parent has to deal with than to say your children will die before you. I mean, mm-hmm. assuming I yeah. live a normal yeah. life. And there are some people who I think are naturally resilient. Mm-hmm. I, I think I am probably Upper Midwest, South pretty naturally family. resilient. You know, pretty tough. <laughs> right. You're not number eight and eight kids, and not be tough, right? So that I think that's part of it. With psycho big brothers. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you you learn to you know let a lot of the little things go. But I think also toughness comes from a real understanding of the faith, where you really take into life and look at it in the context of eternity. I mean, I think about this all the time and it blows me away. I, I can't quite, I'm not a theologian or, you know, like you or anything mm-hmm. like this. But I think if God's Holy Spirit actually lives, breathes, moves in me, right? That's our faith, right? God gives us his spirit yeah. to guide us. The capacity to overcome is boundless. It's like, what can't you do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just... I just think that, again, you can naturally be resilient, but you can learn resilience with faith. Yeah. You, you can be resilient with mm-hmm. faith. You know, I mean, Peter, who denied Jesus, mm-hmm. right? 
that's kind of wimpy. He came back and he, he walked to his death. He followed right. Jesus to right. his, his yeah. death. That's yeah. tough. Did you have like a particular moment, I can't remember if you described it, but uh, where you were just taken to that limit of your natural resiliency and you had to make that surrender, that letting go or that just trusting God. So I can't do this. I can't. I absolutely. Yeah. I'm out of tricks here. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't a one time thing, but yeah. it absolutely was. I, I remember that when I had to let go of my dream, and again, you know, I just thought, oh, God wants me to be an actor. And I right, actually experienced right. a lot of success. You know, I yeah. was in New York and did a lot uh -huh. of modeling things and acting things and, and things happened easily. So I thought, oh, this is what mm -hmm. I'm supposed to do. And that was taken away from me. My children's health was taken away from me. My marriage was, you know, challenged. Yeah. I went. I had to move away from home to become a cop initially to go to this police academy. It was like six months long or four months. I can't remember. And every time I drive away from my kids, which was the last thing in the world I wanted to do, I would just drive away and just sob and cry. It's like, I, yeah. I just don't get this. I, yeah. I, I didn't know how to do it. And I really had to just let go. It wasn't uh -huh. a moment of saying, okay, I, I resign, I turn my life over to you, Lord. It was like a daily thing. Yeah. It, it was like, okay, today give me the grace to do this. Right. And, right. and so that's what it was. Yeah. You, you got a quote here I flipped open to that uh, you felt, I think the Lord inspired this and you spoke to you. That yeah. Embrace the struggle, Joe. Let the tears live alongside the joy. Yes. Let go. Be reckless in your love. The seed must be buried or, or it will remain just a seed. Right. Right. That's, that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, Paul the Apostle speaks about, you know, the, the seed that's planted. You know, you, you can't tell it's going to be an oak tree or pine tree by the seed yeah. that's thrown yeah. in. And yeah. that's kind of like I, I came to that to understand that that was my life. There's Joe's life, Joe's will. Uh -huh. but that wasn't going to survive. Yeah. So that seed, my life had to be planted. And, right. and out of that, something could be reborn, this life right. that God had for me. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was a real letting go of what I wanted. And it's like, mm. okay, God, I thought I had it figured out. That was funny. Mm. What do you have planned? Mm -hmm. What are some of the things, uh, like seeing your kids go through this, terrible disease that that really impressed you or that they taught you about God or the spiritual life? One time, it was interesting, we went, I won't go into the whole miracle because I don't even know what to make of it, to tell you mm -hmm. the truth. But this, this, um, this man was in town, he was Filipino and he had this real powerful ministry. And um, he just prayed over people. A lot of people were healed and he had these rose petals and he'd put them on you and they'd come out with these impressions. Anyway, mm -hmm. we went down and, and went to this home, you know, and somewhat unceremoniously, this woman, our host said, okay, he's gonna come out and pray with you. Mm -hmm. It was like, okay, he kind of came out, he walked. I, I can't even remember the prayers, you know, mm -hmm. Hail Mary's or Our Father or whatever, and put this petal on us. And it, there was an impression left on it, on all of us. And he like blessed uh -huh. us, my hands, our right. heads and we are driving back from that and like we're saying 
what, what does that mean? What, what are we supposed to take away from this? And John, who was about eight at the time, I think, mm -hmm. um, he said, God just wants you to know that he cares. God just wants you to know that he hears you and cares. Mm. I mean, he, he would say so many profound things. Um, one time, I'll never forget. That is very wise. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you're not going to figure it all out. Sometimes you just got to say, okay, God, I, I don't, yeah. I can't really understand yeah. this. You yeah. know, it's the mystery yeah. of life and death. Yeah. And it, it is, you know, we, it's not for us to know. Mm -hmm. uh, another time, and it was just amazing to me, he, uh, we were walking one time and, and John was very courageous. I mean, they played on baseball teams blind, mm -hmm. special VIP teams and right. soccer. Right. He'd hold the hand of another kid and run around the field and do all these things. And, but he had his sad moments too. Mm -hmm. And um, one time we were walking in the neighborhood and he was kind of lamenting uh, his loss of sight. You know, it's like, you know, my, my friends can go off and play and I can't. You know, mm -hmm. and sometimes he was being left, you know, he just couldn't right. keep up with them. Right. And I said to him, I said, John, I said, if I could give you my eyes, I would. Mm. And he turned and he said, Daddy, I would never let you do that. It's too bad. Mm. And I just thought, wow, here's this eight-year-old telling his father, oh, no, wow. I'm not going to give you this pain. Mm. I'm going to hold it. Yeah. And it was just one of those really powerful, powerful experiences. Yeah. You know, I... When I meet like people with special needs sometimes, especially uh, younger kids or I remember this, I have a friend, a family, they have a, a girl exactly my age that still lives with them and they, and you know, you think about the opportunities you have and they haven't had chances, you know, at life and stuff and they, and you know, I think sometimes, I don't know, for me personally, you can see I, you know, I see the parents loving them and just caring for them and it's, you know, it's taxing on them and, and it's just a witness of God's love, yeah. you know, like how God loves us imaged in these parents. And, um, and, you know, I think we forget that in the world and the rat race, it's like, you know, it's how good you are or how productive you are, your abilities is mm -hmm. your value. And I would think, especially for you, like being out in LA, the acting scene, it's all about image. It can be so superficial. Do they remind you of that? Just to... You know, I'll, I, I will say this. I wouldn't change my family, my life experience with anybody for anything. Yeah. You know, we sometimes look like maybe you have at your friends and their um, uh, special needs child, you know. Yeah. And I know families look at us and sometimes with pity. Yeah, yeah. And, and I want to say, look, I appreciate your love, mm -hmm. but you're not seeing this picture completely. Yeah. I have incredible love and incredible experiences with my kids. I have a closeness that you'll never really understand. Mm. I mean, even in this sounds funny, but even though, you know, my son is 25 and I have to help him with everything. I'm the yeah. primary caregiver. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, showering and brushing mm -hmm. his teeth and feeding. Mm -hmm. But I have this relationship with my son that I think, you know, when Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these, you do mm -hmm. to me. So sometimes when I think, oh gosh, I, do I, I don't want to do that. I don't mm -hmm. want to have to do this for my 25 year old. Right. I want him to be out getting married and having right. fun and going to right. college. But then I think, no, I'm doing this for you, Lord. And that yeah. always brings me back yeah. to, to the special 
calling that I've been given, which yeah. is to love these boys, yeah. you know, yeah. into heaven, to do yeah. the best I can to say, okay, Lord, you've given me this treasure for this time. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I've done well <laughs> by them. Yeah. I, I messed it up, you know, I'm an imperfect man for sure, but mm. um, I wouldn't trade my experience, my life with anybody for anything. Mm. Have other people commented, maybe even your family or psycho big brothers about <laughs> maybe how you've witnessed to them yeah. of love and things? Yeah, we, we have been, and I would say my boys yeah. too, have been a witness to the faith, uh -huh. I think more so than most could ever hope to do by, yeah. their, by their simple love, their simple lives, their courage, their laughter, their mm. joy, mm. Uh, they touch and change people's lives. Mm. They really do. Uh, you know, I know every parent thinks their mm. children are precious and everything, right. and they right. are, right. right? But my kids in, in kind of a very evangelistic way have changed and altered lives. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, and I know that, you know, from family members who have seen it, um, uh, people in our community, you know, I was at mass, what day is today? Yesterday, I went on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And this older friend came up and he says, where's Ben? And Ben had hit a wall. He, he couldn't go to mass with him. I said, all right, you try to go tomorrow mm -hmm. with your mom or something like that. And uh, Larry's name and he says, Joe, he says, I got to tell you, he said, for 15 years, I have prayed for Ben. I see him, he brings joy to me. Uh, you know, and he was recounting these stories uh, with mm -hmm. him and conversations with this other priest friend of ours and everything. And I thought, you know, you can't, it's not that you want the attention, you know, maybe yeah. when I was an actor of look at me, I right, want attention, right, I need attention. Right. <laughs> now I don't want it, yeah, but yeah. you are that light, right? We're all called right. to be this light. And, and sometimes, you know, as I struggle to take him up to communion, you know, he's blind and mm -hmm. can't really walk too well and it's like, Mm -hmm. I know there's, you know, 600 people watching us mm -hmm. and I just go, but this is our life, yeah. you know, and, and they see it and, and people are moved, you know. Right, right, right. And you've also had uh, some extraordinary things happen. Um, uh, ben, I believe, saw the Blessed Mother. Yes. So I... <laughs> I'm, I'm always afraid to speak of this, especially <laughs> in front of a priest. <laughs> but I wrote about it in the book, so I took a chance. And Ignatius said, no, we'll go ahead and keep it in the book. Because I don't know what to make of it. But we were, uh, I was saying, we, we were given some really, you know, somebody anonymously sent us to Lourdes one time. Mm -hmm. You know, but I'll tell you about that before I tell you, just to give you a sense of Ben's spirit. Because he's a mm -hmm. wild man. We, I called him Hurricane Ben mm -hmm. when he was a child. And he's never really changed. He's slowed down, but he yeah. still has that same wild personality. He's right. like a John the Baptist, as yeah. I imagine yeah. him to be. And we were in Lourdes, and uh, they said, "Okay, we're going to go down and you know get in the baths and everything else." And it was a beautiful experience, you know. And uh, Ben all of a sudden stopped. He goes, "What? Yeah, Ben, you got to you know get undressed and go in the bath." He goes. Uh-uh, I ain't getting in the bath. I ain't doing this. <laughs> so we'd walk by as we were presenting. I don't know, Ben, you got to do it. I'm not doing it. You know, uh -huh. you don't tell Ben he's doing anything. Yeah. He'd go by with water fountains and spray water on him. Because, there you go. I got my Jesus bath. I got my Jesus. I'm done. Because <laughs> I never got yeah. in. But I said, oh. 
But we went to another We're amazing... here because of you, Baz. I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting in the bath. <laughs> no, you won that battle. John went in, I went in, my wife went in. Ben did not go in. He watched. He got his own Jesus bath. But somehow, again, we are sent to Medjugorje. And quite honestly, um, you know, maybe this was because, I, I don't know why. I mean, but I, I had never, I didn't know much about Medjugorje at the time. Yeah. And it wasn't like you know, I desired to go there. I'd been to the Holy Land. I'd love to go back there. But I said, mm -hmm. Medjugorje, what? What did they do there? And I said, well, Mary's appeared allegedly to these people. And, and I said, okay, we'll go, you know. Mm -hmm. So we went there and uh, we were praying the rosary in the big open air place. It's amazing, you know, all these people praying mm -hmm. the rosary together. It's really powerful. And I actually smelled, again, I... I almost hesitate to say these things because I understand that people are skeptical mm -hmm. and say, oh, no, that didn't yeah. happen. It's like, yeah. okay, I, you know, yeah. to, I'm not saying this to convince you of anything, right. you know, believe or not, God yeah. will reveal himself to you if you open your heart to him, right? And I actually smelled twice, different times, very powerful smell of roses, mm -hmm. which I said, what is yeah. that? And so I said, yeah. that's, that's Mary, yeah. right? This is right. two different times this happened. And then um, Ben said, we were like at one of the last days and we were having like a question and answer there with one of the visionaries. She came through an interpreter and uh, she's talking about Mary and, and, uh, <clears throat> and Ben, she says, so any questions? And Ben, oh, I think was about seven at the time, I can't remember, he was a kid, you know. Ben raises his hand and, and both my wife and I are getting nervous because we know, oh boy, this is going to be embarrassing. We don't know what he's going to say, what he's going to ask. This is one of the original visionaries. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And I forget her name. It's in the book, yeah. but I forget her name off the top of my head. And um, she goes, yes, yes, Ben. And he goes, uh, when you see Mary again, tell her she wears too much perfume. <laughs> and, and we all aghast. It's like, oh no, Ben. What are you? He goes, yeah, she she has she smells like roses. She's really strong, and 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 she flew over to me, and and the visionary says, "Well, what do you mean, Ben? What what does she look like?" Now at this time, Ben is nearly blind. He's got mm -hmm. some vision, and and we weren't like you know we didn't have statues of Mary in our house. You know, Ben was a product of the public school, so it's yeah. not like, you know, he had this vision of who she was, mm -hmm. and uh, and. So he said, yeah, she flew over to me and her feet never touched the ground. He said, she was a little woman and with dark eyes and, and you know, these gray robes and mm -hmm. the woman was just nodding. I was like, mm, yeah. And then years later, after we had gotten home and the kids, you know, disease had progressed and, and we experienced a real tragedy in our life. John, my oldest son, uh, his best childhood friend from birth, literally, they knew each other from days old, mm. um, had committed suicide when he was 17 years old. And a beautiful family, wonderful family, it was just totally out mm. of the blue. You would never guess. Um, and Ben was inconsolable. John, his best friend, mm. he hardly shed a tear. Mm. And one night when we were praying, he said, well, now I guess I have a friend in heaven. Mm. And uh, he just had this perspective. I don't know yeah. what it was. Yeah. And Ben just seemed for months and months, it, it was just, he was inconsolable. And then one morning he came running into our room, uh, my, wife's, my wife and I room, and he said, Mary came to me. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, she was, 
she was right there in the corner of the room and he was kind of pointing to where she was and I said, well, what did, what did she do, Ben? She said, nothing. She, she yeah. just was looking at me, right? Mm -hmm. And then it was like a second time and this was weeks later and she said, Mary, Mary came again and he was kind of freaked out, which I get it. You know, you see a vision from heaven, yeah. that can be mm -hmm. kind of scary. And he said, and Cameron was with her. Uh -huh. And he described Cameron as wearing black clothes. That's the boy who committed suicide. The boy who committed suicide. And, and Ben said, Cameron's with me, Ben. He's okay. Cameron's with me. And Cameron actually turned to Mary and said, Mom, we've got to go. He's getting afraid. Ben's afraid. We've got to go. Mm. And then a third time, and again, I think this was weeks after that, <clears throat> um, you know, because he was saying, I don't want her to come anymore. I'm scared. Mm. I was like, well, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> well, she asked me, I'll tell her. <laughs> but uh, he's... You were a family therapist at this I, time, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you well, have learned this part. Right? I know. Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't teach this in grad school. <laughs> and uh, so he said she just flew over to me again and she didn't say anything. And he was in his bed mm -hmm. and she just grabbed my hand. Mm -hmm. And, and she just looked at me and, and she just held my hand and then he pointed out his window and then she flew up into heaven and he described her as having this, he's, and, and for Ben, he just doesn't talk like this. He's had, he said she had these beautiful roses around her head, behind her head. Yeah. And, um, and, and it was just kind of amazing how he described it. And, uh, and then the next day we we're in mass and he kept holding Lori's hand, his mom's hand, grabbing it like this. And it, was, it started to irritate her after a while. And she goes, Ben, what are you doing? She goes, and he said, this is how she was holding my hand, like this. It was a hard grip, you said? I, I guess so. Yeah, he yeah. just gripping it. Yeah. It was kind of irritating my wife. Oh, <laughs> kind of wow. like turning back, like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? And uh, so he, he just got a lot of consolation from that. Yeah. You know, the yeah. tears didn't stop completely. Mm. But he's still to this day, you know, people come in if we're talking about heaven mm. and whatever, he'll say, I saw Mary, I saw Mary. Mm. And there's no reason for him to say that. It's yeah. not, you know, some people would think he's crazy. Other right. people would say, wow. Right. But, you know, I, I, to this day, I look and I go, well, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. God reveals yeah. himself to people and maybe Mary does too. <laughs> right. Now, what were some of the takeaways, the lessons you want to teach in the book um, to people well or to share maybe it, it's really you know when Jesus said pick up your cross and follow me right he it, I, I think what he does and I think we as Catholics understand this well we, we don't think just because we believe that life is going to be easy the whole idea is is to pick up your cross mm -hmm. That doesn't mean, however, you're not going to experience real joy because Jesus said, you know, my joy will be your joy. Mm -hmm. And so how do you do that? How do you actually pick up your cross and experience joy? Mm -hmm. And in brief, and again, I'm not a theologian. I can just tell you from my experience, this is what I've come to, is that you can't separate suffering and joy. But if you choose to see and experience God's grace, him walking with you in the difficulty, you will experience life magnificently, joyfully, completely, adventurously. 
And so, but I think again, you have to choose that. It really is a choice. I think that's the conclusion that Viktor Frankl <laughs> came to. And that's certainly the, the conclusion I've come to is that you can choose to see what is good or bad. You know, Paul says this in, in Philippians, and I'm just gonna paraphrase Philippians chapter four, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing again, but he says, you know, whatever is true and good and noble and beautiful, these things focus on. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, okay, there is that whole idea of choice again. You can yeah. choose on your setbacks. You can mm -hmm. choose to focus on your infirmities and say, oh, this is a drag. Uh -huh. Or you can choose to find God. Just like Paul said, I feel bad. I'm preaching to a priest here. <laughs> Sorry. No, I need to hear it. I need to hear it. Believe me. <laughs> we all do, right? I need to hear it. That's why I'm saying this yeah, thing. Yeah. But Paul, you know, when he was, uh, you know, given that thorn in the flesh, whatever that was, right? And, I think it was his eyes, but I don't know, you yeah. know. Uh, but anyway, Paul prayed, Lord, take this from me, take this from me, take this from me. Three times I prayed and God said, no, Paul, my grace is enough. Mm -hmm. And we can go through life and say, Lord, take this from me, take this from me, take this from me. He might, miracles happen. Yeah. But I think their message is my grace is enough. Mm -hmm. and, and I really think that's the, that's the miracle, my grace. And, and I think that's, the, that's the gift that I want to speak about. I hopefully have in, in the book, mm -hmm. you know, life is short for all of us. You know, we're mm -hmm. all just passing through. Um, but if we allow ourselves, you know, my dreams had to be, be buried so that God's dream for my life could flourish. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I was recently on retreat and the retreat master mentioned like a second conversion that like many saints had to go through and it might like been a particular you know, maybe like a dark night of the solar senses yeah. and stuff yeah. and, and it like like saint francis like he worried about the order the direction it was being it was taking and, and also his health really declined at the end of his life and um and other saints you know you kind of hit the wall or you kind of maybe have to make a choice that yeah. this is i'm with you lord you know and i don't see i don't understand and it doesn't make sense and yeah. why is we that kind of what you're talking about yeah, too? yeah yeah absolutely yeah and we try to you know we try to understand i think it's our in our nature to try to understand you know yeah. we, we look out into space and try to understand mm -hmm. the you know the cosmos right. we try to understand right. suffering we try yeah. And I just think at some point, we have to just accept that we're not going to see it all. We're not yeah. going to understand it all. Right. Why my kids were given this diagnosis, I don't know. Yeah. But I do know that God has worked through them. And I do know that lives have been changed. Right. Will, will there be lives in heaven because of their lives? Yeah. Or, or yeah. me, or I don't know. I don't wanna yeah. be so presumptuous, but. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the Lord did that work. I'm just trying to play my part. But yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, and for me, it's a daily thing. It's not like, oh, mm -hmm. one and done. It, it's really every day, you know, I wake up with, uh, okay, God, now what? How do I face this day? We're, fa we're facing new challenges every single day. Yeah. Did your wife help co author the book? Or? No, what's interesting is um, 
the, my first draft, I wrote it from the perspective of my dog. <laughs> and then uh, somebody read it and they said, Joe, you're really kind of staying away from the heart. From the... <laughs> like, but it was, fun. it was actually really funny. I, I like that take. And then I, I said, you know, because people said, you know, maybe your wife needs to help you write it. And I thought, oh, that's a great idea. And it kind of like, because we had different and still continue to have different experiences. You know, we mm -hmm. experienced life and our setbacks and our hardships differently. We come together, we yeah, wrestle with yeah. it sometimes, and it can be a separating thing right. sometimes when, you know, she'll be all teary or sad about yeah. something and I won't be, mm -hmm. or vice versa. But I, I went to her, I said, you know, would you write this with me? And I don't know if it was an editor who suggested it or just somebody a lot smarter than me. And I thought, okay, that's a good idea. And she started to, and I explained it actually in the introduction, and she said, I can't do it. She said, I, I just, she said, my, my struggle is to stay present and in the moment. And she said, if I start going back and looking at everything and the losses, she said, I think it would just be overwhelming for me. Yeah. So I said, okay. Mm -hmm. And so I went, and I was really disappointed because uh, I thought it would have been a great thing. Mm -hmm. And I just said, okay, you know, I, I'm not going to fight you on that. Yeah, um, yeah. So I went through and, you know, wrote a draft, wrote a second draft, wrote a third draft, got, you know, declined, wrote a fourth draft, a fifth draft, <laughs> got better, a mm -hmm. sixth draft. Ignatius read it, turned it down, wrote a seventh draft, you know, wow. but I had to do it. it writing yeah. is a process of rewriting. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I finally... I finally, I think, opened enough doors, spoke truth yeah. enough, yeah. Uh, you know, it was raw enough. Yeah. What were some of the, the differences, like, if you noticed, like, between, like, your wife being the mother and her experience or journey through it, you know, seeing the children suffer that way, was there differences there? Yeah, I think so. I, I Look, I think even though it's a very modern thing, people say, oh, men and women are not different. We are too, we're different. Yeah. <laughs> Our brains right. are different, we think differently, yeah. we act yeah. differently, we're different. Yeah. And, and for sure, uh, uh, my wife's experience as a mother, you know, losing her oldest son and facing losing our other son is different than mine. She would say that I'm naturally joyful. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if that's true or not. I, I probably am more naturally resi re resilient, probably more naturally joyful. Um, and, and she would say that she's more the doubting Thomas, that yeah. she struggles more, you know, right. with her faith. Uh, not with her faith. She has a beautiful faith. Yeah. But um, she was, by the way, she was born Baptist and raised uh, Baptist and she was a convert to Catholicism. In Florida, right? Yeah. yeah. And when we were, when we were married, mm -hmm. we actually had my Catholic priest and her Baptist minister mm -hmm. can celebrate mm -hmm. the wedding. Yeah. And, and he told us, he said, mm -hmm. uh, he said, look, he said, Joe, I'd love for you to be Baptist. He had a wonderful Southern mm -hmm. drive. He says, I think you'd be a great Baptist son. <laughs> he said, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I said, no, Brother Bill, probably not. <laughs> but he was a great preacher, still yeah. is. And, uh, but he told us, he said, you guys need to get together on this faith. He said, because, Lori, if you stay Baptist and Joe, you stay Catholic, your kids will split the difference and be nothing. Oh, wow. And he actually encouraged her, which was, I thought, an amazing thing. Yeah. To actually become Catholic. He right. said, if Joe's not going to change, and mm -hmm. he's not. He says, you should become Catholic. And she did. Mm -hmm. But we still, again, to go back to your question, you know, mm -hmm. experience 
everything differently, which is mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it can be a struggle to reconcile those differences, mm -hmm. but it's complementary. We each mm -hmm. have our gifts, you know. Yeah. Is there something maybe she would say, that a theme that she would come back to, maybe a reflection or a lesson or something she ponders or... You know, sometimes we have an experience and we can say, well, the Lord was speaking to me this way through that and he was really teaching me this. And well, what's interesting is, and here she is a Baptist girl, mm -hmm. so no connection to Mary, to the rosary. Mm -hmm. She actually asked her pastor that. She goes, hey, Brother Bill, how come, how come you don't talk about Mary? And he goes, that's a good question. I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Long story short. But what's interesting is when Lori was in Medjugorje, when we were all there, we all had our different experiences. And one night we went out and just to walk around the stations of the cross. I don't even think we were saying them or praying. We we're just walking, just being, just being present. And um, Lori was praying and she really came to identify with Mary. And she said, Lord, how do I do this? And her heart went to, I don't know if this was a period of time, but her heart went to Mary. When she was walking in the stations of the cross, Mary there at the cross, mm. and she said, my children will never die like that. They will be surrounded with love, mm. you know, and family, mm. not abandoned. Mm. And, and she, she really sort of identified mm. with Mary in that, in that time. Mary's deep suffering. Of, yeah. You know, I even heard somebody recently say, I forgot if it was a reflection from a mystic or something, but saying that Jesus' deepest suffering was seeing his mother suffer that way at the foot of the cross. Boy, I could see that. That makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah. It makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, knowing what we've gone through, seeing my wife yeah. suffer, the tears. Yeah. yeah. It was... Uh, yeah. We, yeah. We, we still s struggle. You know, my mm -hmm. son died, obviously, mm -hmm. about four years ago. And we were with him, you know. Uh, and it was, it was kind of sudden what happened. I'll never forget, obviously. I write about it in the book. But yeah. I, by the way, I, I don't make a dime off the book. If, I, if I'm like, I'm, I'm not yeah. taking a cent from it. All the yeah. proceeds, my yeah. proceeds, the author's yeah. proceeds, are being donated to Beyond Battens, which is an organization working to fund a cure and treatments oh, wow. for kids. Um, so I don't mind promoting that. Mm -hmm. Define gravity, <laughs> define gravity. But I'm not making a sense. But, um, you know, we were there with my son yeah. when he died. And um, I was working at this time. I had become a therapist, you know, mm -hmm. and working with people. And, and uh, one night I was working with a, a couple, you know, and then somebody knocked on the door. My, I have office space at the parish right down the street from mm -hmm. our house. The pastor there said, yeah, just make this your office. Yeah. And it was great. And I thought it was somebody, again, wanting directions to the mm -hmm. bathroom or something like that. And a friend of mine was there and she said, you got to go to the hospital. John's in the hospital. And that's nothing new. You know, we'd been in and out of hospitals their whole lives. Yeah. And, uh, but they had to trach him you know, put a trait because he couldn't breathe. He had mm -hmm. gotten like a flu or something and was having trouble breathing. And, and um, but anyway, he was there. It was, it was about a two week stay. You know, we wanted mm -hmm. to get him home, but we just saw this is it. This is, mm -hmm. this was the end, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's still so shocking. 
Yeah. You know, when we come to the end, you, you right. see this animated form, this life, this existence yeah. that we have. But when the spirit goes, you yeah. look at the body and, you, and it, it almost doesn't appear human. Yeah. But the day... Yeah, I, had, well, I just remember great? something John Paul II said in his document on suffering. And he said something like, it's always like still bewildering when we encounter it. Even though we all know it, everybody experiences yes. it. Like when you hit it again, it's like there's something in us that said it just shouldn't be this way. Yeah. You know? It's like, you know, the fall in the garden result of all this and in mystery of how God allows it to happen. But there's still just something just baffling. <laughs> it really yeah. is. It yeah. really is. Death is like that. Yeah. And when I was yeah. a cop, you know, yeah. I mean, I'd been around a lot of death, gone yeah. to a lot of dead body calls yeah. and, you know, the, yeah. all of that stuff and, and accidents and whatnot. Of course, when it's your son, it's a different thing. Yeah. And our hearts have been, I want to say, being prepared, but you're never prepared, right. I don't right. think, you know, uh, for years, because we knew that this was a terminal illness. Mm -hmm. um, but we we stayed with them, you know, 24-7 pretty much, you know. Every once in a while, one of us would run home to take a shower every couple of days mm -hmm. or something. Friends would bring meals into the hospital or shakes. And, and you uh, knew this was it, probably? Yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah. they kind of, they did what they could. Yeah. They said, okay, yeah. it's, you know, we moved the breathing tubes. And mm. we thought he would pass right away, but he mm. didn't. He was unconscious. Mm. But uh, it was one of, one of the most powerful things is the pastor who I didn't know he was pretty new to the area to the church right down the street from yeah. our house would come in and he has this magnificent voice this beautiful voice and he would come in like every day and sing the psalms I don't even know what he did or what it was but he would like <laughs> sing the psalms in the hospital and I was like uh -huh. oh my gosh this is uh -huh. this is amazing and the day that John died um, it was a month after his 24th birthday just about uh, September 24th, and uh, we were watching TV, and and uh, you know there's nothing we could do. We just make him comfortable, and we were hanging out, and we we're watching the news. And the Pope, Pope Francis, I think, had just been made Pope. I forget mm -hmm. how long, but he was in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And he was like, we were watching. Him. I think he was in New York, and he was mm -hmm. like waving. It was kind of it's kind of weird. Yeah. And uh, my wife walked out of the room before she walked out. She goes, "Don't go anywhere, John. I'll be right back." Uh -huh. And she walked back in and she said, he's dying. Yeah. And yeah. right then he just passed. Wow. And I was, ah. mm. it's, it's mm -hmm. pretty surreal. Yeah. But for yeah. me, what I come back to, you know, I talk about the miracles. I talk about life. I talk about suffering. I talk about struggle. The, the greatest review, by the way, from everybody I've gotten on the book is, I laughed and I cried and I laughed and I cried and I laughed mm. and I cried and mm. I thought and then pondered. That's really the best because, you know, I, wanna, I want people to think about life, to think about mortality. Yeah. And it's not a morbid thing. Right. You know, it's, it's, we've just got such a short time. Yeah. And we're here for a reason. And we've got to use these talents, the gifts, whatever that means. Uh-huh. And defying gravity means that pull of death. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's interesting. A friend of mine, actually, I'd like to take credit for it, but he, a friend of mine who is a psychologist, who was kind of my mentor when I became mm. a therapist, he said, I got the title of your book. And I said, what? He said, Defying Gravity, because he was very close to our friends. He goes, because life is like always conspiring to take you down, yeah, but you've always yeah. fought it. It didn't. Right. 
Right. So, you know, you defied that. So that's, yeah. I said, yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing that strikes me listening to your story too is how God is big, really big, oh, <laughs> infinite yeah. big. And he could use anything, rose yeah. petals, priests singing the Psalms. Yeah. Dog or whatever, you know. Yeah. And he could, uh, he could just work in whatever situation and that there is meaning and purpose. He's going to use all this stuff, you know. And I, I think it's usually, you know, we we like to think, you know, we like to think we are going to make a mark on life, right? Yeah. I'm going to change the world. I'm right, going to do these right. things. But I go back to even Solomon in Ecclesiastes, and he says, eh, smoke and mirrors, it's nothing. <laughs> it's right. stupid, right? right? And here's a guy who really did things, you know. Yeah, he, yeah. you know, wrote poetry and <laughs> had yeah. a thousand wives. I don't know if that was a good idea. <laughs> but he really did a lot of things, yeah. you know, with his yeah. life. And he goes, it's meaningless. Yeah. And and I think with God is it it's you can look at the little things and say it's mundane, but when you allow God to work through you in these little things, you know, like St. Teresa Mother Teresa says, you know, yeah. I can't I can't do great things, but I can do little things with great love. Is right. that how she said it? Yeah, Something right, like right, that, right? right? And I I think it it usually is these little things that are become the miracles it's not the big things it's the little things yeah 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 you know, think about the widow's might right, right. we still talk about this two thousand years ago she's putting in pennies this old yeah. widow and yeah. we're talking about her donation to the temple still today right and and that's our lives yeah. it's like it, it, it might be that little thing that you're doing yeah. yeah that is meaningful that's great. That's a good message to end on. Well, yeah. thank you, Joe, so oh, much for talking you. with us. Oh, my pleasure. So nice to meet you and get to talk about it. So.